a stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Religion Today with Martin Tanner, a weekly look at religion and spirituality here at home and around the world. Now, here's your host, Martin Tanner. Welcome. This is Religion Today. I'm your host, Martin Tanner. Today, we take a look at a subject that I haven't really dealt with at Christmas time for a few years. That is the Star of Bethlehem. What was it? And the wise men, who were they? And why would they be coming from the east to visit some kind of a Jewish king? These are some questions that astute readers of the Gospels might ask themselves. I've come up with what I think is some new, good, plausible evidence and information, so I thought it would be a fun topic again for this Christmas time of year. So what was the Star of Bethlehem? There are a lot of different ideas about that. Uh, The ideas are a conjunction of stars, a comet, a supernova, different ideas. Who were the wise men? Uh, They're called wise men in the Gospels, but what does that really mean? Who who were they? Where did they come from? Did the star really exist, the star of Bethlehem? There are some Bible scholars that say, no, it was made up to just kind of pretend, satisfy a prophecy in Numbers chapter 24, verse 17, which says, quote, a star shall come forth out of Jacob, and a scepter shall rise out of Israel, close quote. The problem with that idea is that Numbers twenty four seventeen is is one of seven different prophecies made by this prophet Balak and given to Moab to sort of bolster the king of Moab's courage, I guess, when confronting Israel in a military campaign. Now, the problem with using this as as a description of the Messiah in the future is that this military campaign was immediate. It was way before the time of Christ, and the descriptions that this verse 17 is right in the midst of all these prophecies about what's going to happen in the military campaign, not some far-off future description. So the idea that this star of Bethlehem was made to satisfy this verse seems very, very far-fetched to me. It doesn't satisfy it. Now, then we get on to the next issue, which is what are the other explanations for the star of Bethlehem? Well, some Bible scholars, the more faithful one see the star of Bethlehem as some kind of a specially created miracle, some miraculous object. Nothing ordinary or known in the heavens that can be explained by science. 
there are other other ideas which I mentioned. The question about whether or not ancient Israel or some other ancient kingdom or country reported something in the sky like this is is another question that maybe we ought to ask ourselves. Now, when you start asking questions about was the star of Bethlehem real, maybe a simple way to ask the question is to read this comment of Professor Raymond Brown, who was a New Testament scholar. He said, well, if you're going to believe this was a real astronomical event, you have to believe, quote, there was a star that rose in the east, appeared over Jerusalem, turned south to Bethlehem, and then came to rest over a house that would have constituted a celestial phenomenon unparalleled in astronomical history, but yet it received no notice in the records of the times, close quote. So that's Raymond Brown's skeptical point of view about the Bethlehem star. The problem with his skepticism and the skepticism of many other Christians and New Testament scholars is that there is some information at the time about a celestial object, namely a comet, that could possibly fit the qualifications here. So let's, first of all, take a look at what the gospel record says about the Star of Bethlehem. And then a little bit later on, we'll talk about who the wise men were and why would somebody from the East be coming to check out a future king of Israel, a king who had been born, who was to be king of Israel. So if you read the Matthew account, you know that the star of Bethlehem must have had four main characteristics. First of all, it was a newly appeared object since it drew the wise men from the east. It's, they talk about seeing his star appear. Second of all, the star moved or appeared at least twice in the record because first it led the Magi to Jerusalem, which would have been uh, from east to west. And then they had their audience with Herod. And then it went before them as they went from Jerusalem south to, um, to Bethlehem. And it stood over Bethlehem. That's the, the description. So that's item number two. First of all, it was a new object. Second of all, it moved. It moved from east to west and then southerly. Point number three, Matthew doesn't mention that the star was especially bright or that Herod's advisors had somehow seen it. I mean, as a matter of fact, they didn't. If it was some brand new, bright, huge star, well, why didn't Herod's advisors see it? Why didn't others see it? Well, maybe it wasn't so bright. Maybe it um, was only observed by people who were specifically looking for it. Now, item number four is kind of an important one because as a fourth criteria, this seems to be a single object. 
There are a number of descriptions that say, well, maybe this is a conjunction of a number of stars or planets. But the ancient world knew about stars and planets and would have talked about them as some kind of a, a collection if they had moved together and not as a single item. All right, so there are the four characteristics. Now, if we take a look at information from the time frame, we understand that the Magi were drawn to it from the East. Why would they do that? Why would the Magi want to come and see a king or somebody who had been born who was to become king of the Jews? What would that be of interest to anybody in the East? And who were the Magi anyway? Well, according to Herodotus, the Magi had existed in Persia, which is present-day Iran, for centuries. The earliest known records of the Magi date from about the 6th century BC. That's quite early. We also know that they were a group of priests among the Medes who performed religious ceremonies and interpreted signs and gave warnings about the future. They were, according to some different groups, part of the Zoroastrian uh, religious order, according to other different groups and belief systems, they were part of different religious orders. But what we can say is that according to known information, number one, they were from the east, probably from Babylon. Number two, they were religious priests, probably from Zoroastrian groups. And number three, they were interested in Judaism. Now, let's explore that third point when we come back from our break. I'm Martin Tanner. This is Religion Today. Stay tuned. Religion Today with Martin Tanner continues on KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. We're back. I'm Martin Tanner. This is Religion Today. If you're listening to this program, please know that it's broadcast twice live on Sunday at 6.30 a.m. Mountain Standard Time and 9.30 p.m. Mountain Standard Time on KSL, KSL Radio. You can also hear it anytime on KSL Podcast at KSL.com. You can hear this program also on Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, and many other wonderful religious programming uh, podcasts. And I'm excited to say that for several years running, this program has been voted number eight out of the top religious podcasts and religious shows in the United States. So tell your friends about it. If you have a question or comment about this program or any other program, or if you just have a religious question, feel free to send me an email. I'll be happy to respond. Send it to martinstanner at gmail.com. And if somehow I miss your question, uh, resend it 
occasionally I get enough emails that I somehow miss one. Um, I apologize if I've done that to anyone listening. But please resend your question. I'll be happy to respond. So back to the question, why would priests who watch the stars from the religious order of Zoroaster be interested in Jewish kings? Well, here's the short answer. We know as Latter-day Saints who are listening that at approximately 600 BC, Lehi left Jerusalem because it was going to be destroyed. And if you're a non-LDS Christian or if you're Jewish, you know that in a few short years after 600 BC, probably about 596 or 598, that Babylon invaded Jerusalem, sacked Jerusalem, and took the Jews off into exile in many different places. Now, a large contingent of Jews wound up in Alexandria, Egypt. Hence, we have Egyptian Jewish Christian ties, which we find in ancient Egyptian papyri. But that's a story for another day. We also have a group that wound up in Babylon, which had a large contingent of Zoroastrian believers. Now, Zoroaster, I'm not going to get into his religious history, but a fascinating man, not a Jewish group or sect, definitely not a Christian group or sect. It was a group that believed in God and had an astrology component to it. And it had great influence in Babylon. And so from 600 BC, approximately, for the next 600 years until the time of Christ, you had a mix in Babylon where you had Zoroastrian priests who were astrologists who would have come into contact with and learned about Jewish prophecies of a coming Messiah. Hence, they would have known that a Messiah was coming. And when they saw this new star, they saw it as fulfilling Jewish prophecy. Now, did they see it as fulfilling numbers, like I mentioned earlier? Well, perhaps it's possible that they saw it as fulfilling some other ancient prophecy or belief amongst the Jews. We just simply do not know. But we do know that it was of great enough interest to them that they came looking. And that was because of the Jewish component, the people who'd been led off into exile who were living in Babylon. That was the Jewish influence. And so these priests came and looked for the baby or infant who had been born. Now, let's talk a a, a little bit more about what they were doing and, and what happened and how the star fits into it. As they came from east, 
from somewhere around Babylon west to what is present-day Israel, to Jerusalem, they found Herod. And when they appeared there in Jerusalem, Matthew chapter 2, verse 7 says, quote, Then Herod summoned the Magi secretly and ascertained from them the exact time when the star had appeared. Close quote. Now, we know that it would have taken from Babylon to get to Jerusalem at least a month, maybe two months. And so the Magi saw this star in the east, according to Matthew 2, verse 2, and they followed it ahead of them. We learn in Matthew chapter 2 that they had followed this star. It went ahead of them. And then they talked to Herod. Herod was alarmed about this and pretends to want to know and show interest in their finding the child who's to be the king of the Jews. So at the very least now, if the star did appear at exactly the time that Jesus was born, he would have been a month or two old, something along that order. And that meant that he and his mother and father at that point were residing in Bethlehem still, and that the Magi talked to Herod, and the Magi, after talking to Herod, then left and went south from Jerusalem to Bethlehem. Now, how could it be that they followed the star that went from east to west, and then they followed it again south? Well, there's an answer to that, and that is that comets are seen two different times. One is at the time they come in to the earth, and then also at another time when they come out from the earth after traveling closest to the sun on their elliptical orbits, they come out. And so it's very possible that the comet would have appeared to be in the west as they followed it west and then appeared to be south as they saw it on its way out from its orbit. Now, some people assume from the reading of Matthew that this comet stopped over the house in Bethlehem where Joseph and Mary and baby Jesus were. I don't read it that way. And the verses do not say house. It says the place. Now, the place, to me, seems more logically to imply the town. They followed, the, they talked to Herod, the Magi talked to Herod, and then probably that night or the next morning, early, they got up and followed this comet south, and it appeared to be in the southern sky right over where they knew Bethlehem was, where they had been sent to find Bethlehem. And if it was on its way out from the sun, the tail of the comet would have pointed up and it would have perhaps even appeared like a sword pointing towards the town of Bethlehem. And that seems to be what's being described in Matthew and how we can take into account from natural phenomena, meaning a comet, the 
descriptions that we find in Matthew of standing over a town. And this is not unprecedented. Um, the Ocasius and Josephus both have in their writing statements of a comet standing over a city or a town. As a matter of fact, um, uh, when the emperor died, there was a statement that the comet stood over Rome. There are similar kinds of, of comets in different places. All right. That's it for today. Join me again next week. I'm Martin Tanner. This is Religion Today. Merry Christmas. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new season three, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts.